at a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Financial President, Financial Advisor, Steve Peasley. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Friday, April 21st, 2023, already into April. And we're deep into earnings season. We're getting a bunch of earnings, uh, corporate earnings from the first quarter. And I don't think they're as bad as a lot of people expected. I, I, I mean, we still are in an earnings recession, but we're not done through earnings season. So you can't, you know, first quarter, last quarter of last year, the, the earnings uh, earnings were up, but still fell uh, from the previous quarter. So now we're worried about this quarter's, and a lot of people are talking about an earnings recession. But we'll see. And it should be obvious to everybody that the you know, market dynamics, the economy, it's all, it's all changed from few, just a few years ago before the COVID uh, event. And even since COVID uh, and after the market recovered, we're still in a way, way different environment because of inflation and interest rates. So that's, all, that's changed the whole equation and how we need to look at things. I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm here to help you. Look at those things to help you on, the, you know, to decide what you should do. What would will your portfolio strategy work in the current environment? So I'm on the radio and podcast to help you with that. So let's talk about it and talk about it. Remember, you drive the show. It's your questions that drive what direction you want to go. As long as it's financial, I'm perfectly willing to take you anywhere you want to go. So. And I'm always very careful about giving you straight, unbiased answers to your questions. That's one thing Justin and I pride ourselves on, to try to give you unbiased answers. Now, the problem is, is our own personal biases could sneak in there, right? I mean, we have our own thoughts, and our own personal bias could sneak into our answer. And I think, I don't think we can avoid that. So just be aware that we have our own biases, but we don't, we don't, we try to give you the facts and then come up with your own conclusion and we come up with our own conclusion. There's no hidden agenda here. We're not trying to convince you to buy this or sell that. That's not how we work. Okay. Now, one thing we've all have noticed by now is that the investment situation in today's stock market is very different. And, you know, it's very different from the past several decades. As I said, Interest rates rising instead of falling, and inflation is, even though it looks like it's come down a bit, it's still very high, than much higher than it used to be, okay? So we are still going to have to learn to deal with that, okay? We're all going to learn things. I, I mean, I've learned things all the time. I find that's why I love doing this. That's why I like doing the radio show. I learn things from you. I learn things from my readings and from what I study, and I think it's fascinating, and, of course, I'm hoping that you do, too. So we want to learn new things, and then we want to apply what we learn to our management of our money. 
Now, if you if you want to do it yourself, you can do it. I want you to do it. It's it it's doable. Okay? You don't have to hire people like me. But if you don't want to do the work, then you do have to hire people like me, or at least you should. Okay? Okay, so today we're going to have another lesson, as we have every day, that hopefully will provide enough information to make you a successful investor. That's what I'm hoping, okay? My focus point today is going to be based on a headline that says, 10 financial lessons you should understand, okay? 10 financial lessons you should understand. And you know, those lessons change throughout your life, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, that they change, and you still have to learn the lessons, but they're, they're a bit, bit different when you're in your 20s than when you're in your 50s, right? I mean, in your 50s, you should be sliding toward, you know, uh, retirement eventually and that you should have money, assets that you put aside and, and grew, where in your 20s, you're just starting out. So, but there's, these are lessons you should learn at each one of these, each part of the phase of life that you're in. So we're going to talk about that. And it is Friday, so I'll be sharing excerpts from the newest KPP, KPP Premium Newsletter, and that will be coming up at the halfway mark of the broadcast. So, and I got a lot of things that I want to talk about. There's voice make questions, uh, return on assets, someone wants to talk about that, Graco Inc. want to talk about that, and of course I have things too. Uh, one is what recession? New data from S&P Global is out today, suggest a resurgence in economic growth. What happened to the recession? Talk. What, what happened to that? Hmm. We want to discuss it, don't we? And according to a one veteran strategist, Jeff uh, Berman, says signs of market being overbought. What signs? Well, he lists several areas of the market that seem to be working in conjunction, and they shouldn't. That's what he said. And I also like, you know, I like the, I like the economist Mohammed El Arin. He used to be the co-CEO of PIMCO. Uh, and he's talking about the economy. And I want to discuss what he's saying, too. So those are the things I want to get to if we can. Uh, the market was actually up today. Not very much. The week hasn't been very good. But today, the Dow was up 22. The Nasdaq was up 13. And the S&P up 4. The week was a down week, though. wasn't a great week. Okay, let's go ahead and start off with our first uh, voicemail question. Hey, Stephen, Justin, this is Andrew from Atlanta. I was trying to call you guys about Rhythm Capital, R-I-T-M. It's a REIT, and it's on the mortgage side. It uh, has a pretty high dividend. It's been paying it out for several years. It was a suggestion from tip ranks. I was curious what your analysis was on this uh, stock. Thicker symbol R I T like Tom M like Mary. Thanks, guys. Love the show. So the question is: Is it has it gone down far enough? Okay, this is a REIT, real estate investment trust, investing in residential real estate mortgage related investments. Mortgage related investments. We know interest rates are rising. Uh, this stock is eight dollars and four cents, and they're going to make a dollar forty eight next year, which Tells you it's a fairly fairly inexpensive stock. Okay, it is based on the earnings. However, I'm I probably stay away from it because in the most recent quarter we haven't got the first quarter numbers yet, but the fourth quarter sales fell thirty one percent. I expect sales to be falling again pretty sharply. 
31%. So I don't think it's done falling. I don't think the stock price is done falling, even though at $8.04, it's pretty inexpensive. It really is. But they're carrying a lot of debt. Remember, it's a mortgage to REIT in mortgages, and mortgages costs are going up. And yes, it's paid in the past a pretty hefty dividend. REITs have to pay 90% of their earnings out in the form of a dividend. Okay, they have to, to you, the shareholders. It's required to be qualified for a REIT to be a real estate investment trust. Um, it's just not for me because it's in the area of the market and the economy. I don't like to invest in mortgage-backed anything in a rising interest rates environment. Now, the question is, is when will interest rates start to fall? Then I'd be much more interested in this, and it could be way too late for that. You know, you're trying to pick this up uh, as a bargain. But during the COVID low, it got down to about $3.50, $3.50. So that's a long way from $8.04 today. That would be the low. Uh, It would be very volatile. It's a $3.8 billion company, so it's a mid-cap. Not for me, R-I-T-M. We're going to take a quick break, everybody. Please remember that you can call any time you want. You can leave your question on InvestTalk of our particular voice bank we have and we always try to get to them we're pretty good about it or or if you are listening via live streaming on a or on am 1220 out of the bay area you can call right now we're live four to five pacific time monday through friday 888-99-CHART when listener questions are played on the invest talk podcast How do you guys determine a value stock? The caller voices are amplified many thousands of times. Just wanted to get your opinion on JP Morgan and BAC. How do you see this uh, looking forward? I'm 25 years old and have a question about retirement funds. And the unbiased answers from Justin Klein. That's why it's trading so cheap, because there's a lot of regulatory risk. And Steve Beasley. I kind of like it here. If I was going to buy Tyson Food, this is where I'd buy it. Benefit the entire Invest Talk community. Thank you for what you guys do. That's why 24 7, rain or shine, no matter how simple or how complex, your questions make a difference. Symbol BKE, what's your outlook? And Invest Talk is made better by the power of you. So don't forget to call 888 99 Chart. Steve Peasley is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Duncan from New York. Thank you for everything that you do. Today's question is actually about reading financial statements. As you guys help me get better at picking stocks, I'm trying to start doing this on my own. What I already know right now is that return on equity should definitely be above 20%. And I know a little bit about like large, small and you know, medium cap stocks. My question is, what percentage should I be looking at in terms of return on assets? Not quite sure what the difference is between return on equity and return on assets. And the second question is, since I use Fidelity, uh, I'm using their research, I'm looking under the debts part, long-term debt slash equity. What number should that be and what number should total debt assets be? Thank you for helping me answer these uh, three questions. I know it might be tough because every 
sector could be a little bit different, but any help would be grateful. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Okay, so generally speaking, yeah, it is tough because each sector is different. For instance, if you're looking at the banking sector and you're looking at debt, well, that would be normal. They always carry debt because they borrow money and lend it out. As long as they lend it out more than they're borrowing, you're fine, right? So, uh, and there's other REITs are that way too. They usually carry debt. Not They don't have to carry a lot, but they used to do. And therefore, you got to figure out, you know, what's return on assets and return on equity, we like it in the teens, both of those, in the teens or higher. Uh, but you have to be aware that if they're borrowing money, they're borrowing money and they have that asset on their books, that's borrowed money and it's still an asset. Therefore, it might throw the return on equity return on assets off as far as a number because the debt, can they support that much debt or the debt they're carrying? It's always, always, if it was simple, it would, you know, we could just give you some answers. Boop, 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 boop. There's all these stats you're looking for. Boop, 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 boop. And you can't do that. You can't. You can do it for particular sectors. Uh, and then you go into uh, what's the what's an average PE? Well, the whole market is S&P 500 is around 15, 16 long term. Okay, but what about uh, a steel company? Well, those are boring, and their PEs are under 10 long-term. What about a growth company, a tech company? Well, those PEs are over 20 at least, sometimes over 30, very common, sometimes even higher. See, so it, it, you just can't give the answer, you know, that this is what you look for. I wish it was easy. I just wish it was, but it's not, and that's what makes it a challenge, and that's actually what I like about it. It's challenging. But you're, you're on the right path. You know what? You keep doing it. You'll pick it up. Say, okay, that's that's a growth company. Therefore, you know, the return equity in return assets is going to be pretty high. And what about related to other growth companies? What are they? And, and that's, you start to learn how to compare and contrast in the proper way. Okay? On Fridays, I generally make time to take a quick rundown on the key benchmark numbers. So let me hit uh, some highlights here. The two-year treasury yield is now 4179 4.2, we'll round it off, 4.2% for two years. So you get 4.2% 4, 4 per year. Now, for perspective, last week it was 4.1. Three weeks ago it was 4. Five weeks ago it was 3.9. Seven weeks ago, 4.8. So, it you know, it's come down, down, up, down, up, and that's where it's been. Okay? Now, if you go way, 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 way back, it was much less, right? 1.9%. Uh, a year ago or so, 69 weeks ago was 0.64%, 0.64. 10-year, now remember, the two years at right now, 4.2. The 10 years at 3.6, I'm rounding off, 3.6 for the 10 years, still below the two-year, which is unusual and not healthy for the economy. Last week is 3.5. Okay, a uh, long, long time ago, it was like 1.9. Okay, 67 weeks ago, 1.7. Gold, 1983, silver, 25. Okay, maybe we can go over some oil right after we get this break done. Okay, we'll get, we'll get back to you as soon as we take this uh, little break we have to take. This is a mess talk, everybody.
Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy, discipline, and unbiased guidance. You've come to the right place. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. And I didn't really finish the stats so before the break, so let me do that. Gold was priced at $1,983 an ounce. It was 2000 got over to 2000 came off of that. Silver at 2508 Oil, uh, $82.23 a barrel. T- two weeks ago, it was $75. Four weeks ago, it was 66 So I'm sure you saw the prices at the pump moving up. Okay, that's how it works. They go up a lot faster than they come down. Have you all noticed that? I've noticed that over the years. I've been looking at these numbers Kind of irritating. Oil, uh, gasoline prices, three weeks ago, $3.50. What is it now? $3.68. California, I saw, oh, I, I was paying over $5 this week, okay? $5 again. Now, the California average is $4.90, same as last week. But I'm down where I am, it went up like a dime, okay? $5 and something cents per gallon. You know, it really annoys me because that price could be much less for everybody if we were independent instead of dependent on foreign oil. You know, it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't. Why don't we want to be independent? Because we're buying buying foreign oil. Why don't? Why not? Why buy foreign oil? It's not like we're not using it because we're not pumping it out of the ground. We still are. Just would make sense, and then every and it would help the economy. You know, as far as I, I'm concerned, I'm not sure why we, we're doing it this way. I don't know. Uncle, by the way, in New York, the price today is $3.68. That's $1.22 cheaper per gallon than in California. Huh. Why is California so expensive? It shouldn't be. It's all about uh, taxes, I think. And we have special blends in the summer. <laughs> it, it's very annoying. <laughs> My focus point talks about the 10 financial lessons you should understand, 10 of them, but they change a little bit as the decades go along. For instance, if you're in your 20s, you kind of feel invincible, right? But you need to learn how to prepare for financial emergencies. Um, I had that example. I have a 19-year-old nephew whose car broke down, and of course, you know, he had no money. No money saved from his job. He's working, which is great for him, and it's really good. But he didn't save any of the money for any car emergencies, and it cost $2,500 to fix. So he turned to his parents, and his parents are going to make him pay it back. So in 20s, when you're in your 20s, you need to prepare for emergencies. And you've heard me tell people, well, at nauseum, six months to a year of your salary set aside for emergencies. And don't wait until you're older to start investing for retirement. Start in your 20s. That way you, don't, you won't have so much pressure when you're in your 50s and 60s. And another thing people in their 20s do, don't use credit cards to buy more than you can afford. Remember my rule? Spend 10% less than you earn and save and invest that 10%. That means you don't spend it using credit cards. That's not spending less if you're using putting everything on the credit card. And I don't have a problem putting on the credit card as long as you pay it off every month. Don't carry it over months and months. It's super expensive money. In your 30s, in your 30s, you still, you're going to start earning more money 
Well, you don't have to spend it. You could save more money. I, I told several of my nephews and nieces that when you get a raise, make sure you save 10% of that raise and invest it. Put it in your 401k IRA or just put it in the market somewhere. You know, just don't spend the whole raise. And if you're in your 30s and 40s, don't wait till your kids are 18 to start saving for some college if that's what they're going to do. Now, I'm not all for 100% sending everybody to college. It's too expensive. It's not worth the money, especially if you're not getting an engineering degree. You're just getting one of these, you know, you know, soft college degrees, I'll call them. You don't need that. You don't need to go to debt you don't because you'll never make the money to pay it back. Okay, and paying down debt improves your financial flexibility. You can do things if you don't have debt that's burying you. Okay, so these are some of the things. There's a lot more. I got more stuff, but you might go to our website, read read the article on our website. It's there, and the you know the title of the article is you know uh, lessons, ten financial lessons that you need to learn as you advance through life. You know, the problem when you're in your 20s and 30s, and I, I, I had this too for myself, you just think you're invincible and you got all kinds of time. Boy, have it, those people that are in their 50s and 60s, how fast do those 20s and 30s and 40s decades go by? Very fast, huh? Don't, don't wait to start investing, start saving. Stay, start, the earlier you do, the more money you'll have in retirement, the happier you'll be when you do retire. You know, most people don't like the job they're in. If you, you know, uh, of course, I would you know, want you to find a happy job. That, that's really what we want, some career that makes you happy. That's great. But most of us doesn't. Most of us didn't. I didn't until I started managing money, and that was after I retired when I was in my 40s. Then I really enjoyed this, but for years and years and years I didn't. So but you, that's why you need to save money and so you can retire from that job you don't like. I think the definition of retirement is stop doing what you have to do and start doing what you want to do. That could be working or not. Maybe this is golfing. I have a friend and that's what he does. Now we'll go to, we're going to go to the break now and still to come, I will share excerpts from the KPP Premium Newsletter. That will be very soon. And I also will tackle more of your questions. So give me a call, 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. 
Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. Each time I host the Invest Talk podcast, I have the satisfaction of taking caller questions and then breaking down the often complex dynamics involved. If you've never called, don't hold back. You can leave your Invest Talk questions on the 24 7 anytime listener line at 888 99 Chart. Hi, good afternoon, Steve and Justin. I've been looking at the stock to purchase here. Its ticker symbol is GGG, three G's. It seems like it's a industrial company. From what I've researched on it, it's a quality company. Looks to be something that'll be around forever, and um, it does pay a small dividend that is growing. It doesn't seem to have any debt. The balance sheet seems to be really stable. It doesn't have a lot of earnings per share, and I was wondering, what do you look for in a company for a good amount of earnings per share? Should it be $10 a share or more, or what is the number exactly? I don't know. Otherwise, it seems to be a good company, though, that is growing consistently. So I'd love to get your feedback on it, please, and I'm considering adding it to my portfolio. Thank you for your help and your time. I love your show. Thanks for everything, you guys. Have a good day. Okay, this is Greg Coe. Uh, GGG is a symbol and manufactured equipment to move, pump, meter, mix, and dispense fluid and powdered materials. It's a big company, almost $12 billion in size, been around a long time. And there is no set physical number of earnings, like $10 or $5 or $8. It doesn't work that way. It's, It's a relationship. How much earnings? First of all, it has to have earnings. And then is it growing its earnings? And how much earnings does it have in relationship to the price of the stock? For instance, this stock is $70.95. It's going to make $2.97. So it's not a cheap stock, okay? It's, you know, what, 25 PE or so? That's not, you know, uh, you know it's not cheap. Uh, their PE range is 21 to 42 so it's not that bad. Return equity is very good at 26%. Dividends is 1.3%. This is not a very fast grower. Sales are growing in the single digits. A year ago, they were growing faster, but now they've slowed down to a more long-term growth path of, you know, in the, you know, 3 to 10% sales growth. And earnings is growing 6 7%. Okay, so it's not it's not growing that fast. Therefore, you want a low PE, and the PE is a little elevated to me. Management's owed four percent, and mutual funds are buyers of this company, which has really held this company up pretty well. But it's very cyclical, economically sensitive. So if the economy falls, this will fall. If the economy grows, this will grow. You know, so it's a good, solid company. I wish it paid more than one point three percent. That, that is probably my biggest disappointment. They don't have hardly any debt, which is great. 
All the other numbers are pretty good. A little expensive stock, but all the numbers are really good. 26% on return equity, that's very good for an old company, old, you know, industrial type company. That's very good. So, you know, the numbers are good. It's that the price is a little, stock price is a little pricey, and they should be paying more dividends. Good, good stock, though. Good pick, I think. Okay, the KPP Premium News Auto is finished today, and it will be distributed to subscribers to subscribers tomorrow. So here's a little preview. In the market conditions section, which is the first section of the newsletter, this week brought further signs of an economic slowdown and potential recession, probably a mild one, because out today we had some decent numbers, economic numbers, which I'll hopefully get to. The Commerce Board's leading economic indicator, a measure of the U.S. business cycle, Dropped to lows, not charted since November of 2020. So the LEI is not working that good. This decline is the contraction of 12 months of a conservative downward trajectory. This hasn't occurred since the financial crisis of the 2000s. So there's numbers that tell you we're not done. We got problems. But interesting that some numbers came out from the S&P, PMI, services, and manufacturing sector was much stronger than expected. So it's kind of interesting. But going through the newsletter, initial jobs claims continue to rise after a prolonged period of claims coming in below analyst estimates. These data points would consider, when considered together, have helped to further underscore the narrative that the once resilient labor market is now starting to soften. On the opposite side of the spectrum, the release of bank earnings this week demonstrated mixed results for regional banks. But there was unexpected strength for the nation's largest banks. Now, remember a couple of weeks ago, I told you there's two point something trillion loans coming due in the next couple of years. 80% of those loans are in the small and medium-sized banks, and they're, they're going to have to refinance at a much higher rate. And I've talked about, for, you know, uh, um, large institutions walking away from their commercial buildings. Interesting stuff. Now, more in the newsletter. Um, strength at large banks was primarily driven by large increases in net interest income. As rates rise, however, and the cost to consumers of servicing their credit card debt increases, the inevitable effect will be a sharp drop in consumer spending and reversion to the mean of the interest income that lifted Q1 earnings. So don't get too excited that these large banks made a lot of money this one, this recent quarter. Just don't do that. There's more commentary in the newsletter, by the way. In the stock idea section, we highlighted a leading technology company that specializes in network and cybersecurity solutions. It is a well-established player with a solid market position. The company has a diverse portfolio of products and services, including routers, switches, switches, security appliances, software-defined networking solutions. The company has a disciplined approach to capital allocation, including return, uh, return of capital to shareholders through shareholder buybacks and dividends, which could be appealing to some investors. Okay, And, of course, you know, we also looked at a global leader in semiconducting manufacturing equipment and materials with a strong presence in the technology and semiconductor industry. 
The semiconductor industry has been experiencing a robust growth due to increasing demand for semiconductors in various applications, such as smartphones, data centers, artificial intelligence, and automotive electronics. You know how many chips are in auto cars these days? I think I, I read a year or two or three ago. I don't even remember. But it was like they had like seven. seven. I bet you it's doubled that since then. Now, of course, we name names in the newsletter. I have given you a sample teaser of the latest KPP Premium Newsletter. Subscribers receive the full edition via email each Saturday. You realize we put out a newsletter every Friday, every week. Okay? Every week, new newsletter. And you'll also get the Portfolio and Consumer Watch sections. There's, there's four sections all together. Learn more and subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. That's with two T's, investtalk.com. Now, as I said... Um, it, you know, there, there's new data from the SP Global uh, out today suggests a resurgence in, in growth of the economy. The S&P PMI composite came in at 53.5 from 52.3. Anything above 50 is expansion. And this went up. This number went up. Uh, also, if you're just looking at the service sector, it went from 52.6 to 53.7 month over month. Manufacturing sector went from 49.2, contraction, anything below 50, 49.2 to 50.4. Not a lot of people were expecting that. We, The experts all expected it to go down, not up. So that was different than we've been seeing lately. So here we are looking at different numbers, and we're getting we're getting conflicting data, and that's frustrating for people like me. <laughs> you know, I have said that I think we're going to go into a mild recession this year. I think it'll be later on this year. I think the stock market will bottom this year. The stock market will start to move up before the economy. Bottoms. We'll let me rephrase it the different way. Before we see it in the statistics, see it meaning the economy bottom, the stock market will already have started moving up. Okay, so just be aware of that. The, the stock market always moves first. Okay, over the economy. I mean, I, I, I'm looking. I'm thinking back all the years, and it's, I don't remember one time that the stock market hasn't fallen first before the economy numbers come out showing that the economy is shrinking, or the stock market has gone up before the economic numbers show that the economy is starting to recover. And with the Fed going to raise interest rates again here shortly, probably by a quarter point, it's hard to say that we're seeing the worst of the economy, even though these numbers I just gave you conflict with that a little bit. Okay, let's pivot to an Investor Voice Bank question for uh, front came in from San Francisco Bay Area eight 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 ninety nine chart. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Romero from the Bay Area. I'm currently looking into the Celsius Holdings ticker symbol C E L H. That's a drinking energy company, and I'm thinking about investing in them. But I wanted to see what you think of this company long term. Now it's currently trading at $88 or so. If you do think it's a good company to invest in, what's a good price point? Uh, looking forward to your answer. Thank you. 
Okay, this is Celsius Holdings, C-E-L-H. It is a $6.9 billion company, so mid-cap. Develops and markets functional calorie-burning fitness beverages under the Celsius brand in the United States. Okay, that's what they do. They have earnings. They're going to make a dollar twenty a share this year. They lost forty four cents a share last year, and next year they're supposed to make a dollar eighty. It's a ninety dollar stock. Okay, don't you think that's a little expensive just on a price earnings ratio? Cash flow is negative twenty six cents a share. Management owns three percent, and mutual funds are buyers. Sales growth has been pretty strong even though it's starting to slow a little bit in the most recent quarter, and that's December. 71% sales growth is pretty strong, though. Uh, the quarter before that was 98%. quarter before that was 137%. quarter before that was 167%. quarter before that, 192 So you can see that trajectory is growth and sales is downward. Um, I just think it's too expensive. I, I, it's not for me. It's a growth stock in a... In an economy that's not favoring growth stocks these days, this has held up very well. It has. But, it's again, it's not for me, not in this environment that we're dealing with. This is Invest Talk. I want you to hang on. More answers are coming up. They really are. In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. InvestTalk is a free download, 24-7, rain or shine. The InvestTalk listener line is open and waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen Justin. I had a question about dividend stocks. In the past, I've heard you guys say that when they pay a dividend, say 7%, for instance, the price of the stock the next day will drop 7%. So technically, does that mean that in order for you to actually be making money, does the stock over the next year need to go up 7% minimum to even be able to have covered the price of that dividend? It just made me wonder, you know, with uh, how stagnant a lot of the markets have been, is, is that normal to expect a gain like that and then still get paid your dividend. I'm uh, just wondering if some of these stocks are just eating themselves while they pay you out your own money and uh, not really go up. Thank you. Bye. Kind of interesting. You, you, you've almost got it right. Yes. Uh, if you get a 7% dividend, the stock price the very next day will open up 7% less than it closed the day before. A lot of times you don't see it because immediately the stock starts trading, right? Up, down, up, down, up, down. So you don't really see it unless it's really obvious. In other words, the dividend's like $10 a share and the stock is $50 and it will open up 40. You'll see it then. But it's usually not that dramatic. And the answer is yes. If you got paid 7%, stock goes down 7%, and the stock does not recover, that stock price does never cover that 7%. In other words, it stays the same for the rest, for a whole year, you're breaking even. You didn't earn anything, really. But that's not how real life works, is it? I mean, the stock could go up or down depending on uh, the 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 growth of the company, the earnings per share trajectory, the industry it's in, the economy we're in. Yeah, there's so many other things playing a factor that you know 
it, it makes it difficult. So though, though, though I, I think you've got a very good grasp on how that works. Some people think they can buy the stock before they go ex-dividend. That's when they actually, you have to own the stock in your portfolio to get the dividend. Think they can buy the day before because they announce when they're going to go ex-dividend. And then they can just make that 7%. Well, no, because the stock price goes down 7%. You can't do that. It doesn't work. Okay? Good question, though. I really, man, we got some thinkers out there today. I appreciate that. This is Invest... This is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. We have one goal here to help you achieve financial freedom. That's what we all want. And our work will continue right after this break. So get your questions in now, 888 99Chart. You've got finance and investment questions, and Justin Klein and Steve Peasley are ready with their unbiased answers. Don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Hey, I'm thinking to buy some shares of this stock AEM. Can I have your opinion on buying this stock again? AEM. AEM. Thank you so much. Okay, that's Agnico Eagle Mines Company. It's a $25 billion stock, almost 26. Canadian company engaged in the production, development, and exploration of gold. So it's a gold company, everybody. AEM. They're going to make $2.01 this year. They made $2.29 last year. And the year before, two forty eight. But they're going to increase by 13% next year, $2.28. It's a $56 stock. So it's not cheap. It's not cheap. But it's neither expensive either. It's fairly priced, I'd say. Uh, they pay a 2.8% dividend. A return equity is very low at 9%, and they have hardly any debt, which I like a lot. So the return equity is low, but the debt is n- almost non-existent, which is nice. Sales growth is strong. It's 46% in the most recent quarter that we have, and that's December. Now, is gold prices going to go up? That's really what you're asking. I mean, if gold goes up, this will go up. Now, in 2000, when gold prices were much cheaper than they are today, the stock was at $80 a share. Now it's at 56 I kind of like it. I do. I kind of like it. But mutual funds are not buyers, but they're, neither are they sellers. They're just holding on. So it really depends on what you think gold prices are going to go. The dollar, of course... Dollar goes up, gold goes down. Dollar goes down, gold goes up. The dollar has done nothing yet this year. So um, I, I kind of like it as a piece of your portfolio. Okay? I do. Okay. Um, according to a veteran strategist, Jeff Berman, he says there are signs of the market being overbought. And it's all about technicals, meaning reading the charts for him. He is particularly upset or worried or concerned about Bitcoin, gold, oil, bonds, and S&P 500. And his concern is all these things are moving in conjunction with each other, and they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be moving in tandem. They should be moving at different angles, Gold going up or down, the market going up, they shouldn't be all going in the same direction. Bonds especially, and the S&P 500. So that's what he says. Ah, ah, I'm not convinced. 
Now, I do follow another economist named uh, an economist, Mohammed El Arin. Arin. He was the co-CEO of PIMCO for many years. He's now an economist teaching, teaching at one of the Ivory League schools. He says the economy is facing an uphill battle. Uh, the Federal Reserve is trying to navigate uh, price stability, maximum jobs, and financial stability. And a lot of times, you know, that's difficult. The Federal Reserve doesn't have all the proper tools to make that all happen at the same time. For instance, if you want price stability and you're in an inflationary environment, which we are, you have to raise prices to knock down the economy to slow down inflation. Well, if you're knocking down the economy, well, the economy's not stable then, is it? <laughs> so, you know, it's like, what? what? What do you do? What is the proper move for the Federal Reserve? Now, my personal opinion is I don't think they continue. I, don't, I think they need to stop raising their interest rates. I think, and I've all, and I've, you know, I've been, it's easy to criticize, right? Because I'm not making the decisions. But I think the Federal Reserve is always proactive, not, I mean, always reactive, not proactive. For instance, I'm, I'm thinking that the economy will slow down. Things are going to slow down. You don't need to keep pressuring interest rates higher to force them to slow down. They're going to slow down anyways because of because of the many interest rates you've already already pushed upward and the banking system the financial system hasn't absorbed those in the economy yet it takes time it takes time okay I think we're done for the day everybody I'm Steve Peasley and of course this is another completes another day invest out programming. Now, remember, you can get your downloads of iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify of this podcast. We cut out all the commercials, so you don't have to listen to them. And we do thank you. We have passed 51 million downloads, and we're on our way to 52, and I do really appreciate it. I sincerely do. I hope you learn something from this program every day, and that's why we're getting these downloads. I'm hoping that's what's happening. Remember to follow Invest Talk on social media, Invest Talk with two T's, okay, on social media. Independent thinking, share success. This is Invest Talk, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice. Or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security? Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.